0: Thank you, Sue. As we continue through the book of Genesis, we're in chapter 12, verses 1 to 9 today, and just entitled it Faithful Follower. That's what Abram was. Let me begin with this um, illustration, Um, Adam Walton's commentary. In his 1999 novel, Testament, John Grissom tells the story of a billionaire's inheritance that is left to an illegitimate daughter, Rachel Lane whom he has never really known. When the law firm tries to find her, they discover that she has become a missionary in the remote jungle villages of Brazil. Rachel has left everything in pursuit of her missionary commitment. One of the suspense lines running through the novel is the question of how firmly her resolve will hold when matchless wealth seeks to draw her back. Her calm resistance leaves the lawyer, Nate O'Reilly, baffled. He cannot imagine someone being that unaffected when so much wealth is within her grasp. Now, this positive picture of a faith resolve finds its polar opposite in the 1998 novel, The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver. Nathan Price is an evangelical Baptist missionary to the Belgian Congo with his wife and four daughters. Seen through the eyes of the women, Price is a jumble of contradictions, he has pursued his quote-unquote call without the endorsement of the mission board and his denomination and without raising any financial or, or spiritual support. This is his idea of faith. His quote-unquote faith resolve is so colored by selfishness, personal foibles, theological shallowness, and cultural superiority and imperialism that he has lost any right to claim God's leading and has left his family and all those around him confused about his motives. As Nathan Price illustrates leaving all to serve God can easily be self-serving delusion. When it is not, as Rachel Lane illustrates, that which is left behind has a way of catching up to us and pressing its claim anew. So two different um, novels and two different outcomes, right? Rachel's like, okay, I have great wealth, but I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to keep serving in in Brazil. And uh, Nathan (coughs) Price, the other you know, he, doesn't even, he doesn't gain support of anybody, not his mission board, not his denomination, not any other individuals, and tries to just do this on his own. And so we see two different outcomes as well. I mentioned last week that Judy and I moved around a lot throughout our 30 years of marriage. Some of those moves required that we sacrifice living around family. Like when we moved to Florida, when we moved to Missouri, and when we moved to California, we weren't around family. Our church became our family. It became very, very close. And it even required that we sacrifice what was familiar and secure. We'd never been to Florida before, living there. We'd never been to Missouri. We didn't know what to expect. California, you know, you hear stories about California. But we were in a great place in California. So you have all these things, and it's unknown. It's unfamiliar. And some of those moves required steps of faith on our part. The greatest step of faith that we took was being obedient to God's calling on my life to be a pastor. I had resisted that call for 13 years before telling the Lord that I would pursue pastoring. Now, I was doing ministry. It just wasn't pastoral ministry. But that was what God was calling me to. I remember when I was raising support for Child Evangelism Fellowship when we first started, I called uh, a family from Prince Street and uh, talked to the husband. And he said, yes, we will uh, pray for you. Yes, we will support you financially. But I've always felt like God was calling you to be a pastor. (laughs) Wow. And that was like 13 years before I followed the Lord into pastoral ministry. And the blessings that have resulted have been far beyond what I could have imagined. There are times when I wish I would have been obedient sooner, but the life lessons that I learned through those other positions have been invaluable to me as a pastor. They helped to develop me as an individual. And so I'm grateful for those, even though there's times where I'm like, oh, man, man. I could have been doing so much more in pastoral ministry. Every one of us can probably share stories of what we have had to sacrifice in order to be obedient to the Lord. And I want you to just take time to think about the things that were sacrificed and how the Lord blessed as a result of being obedient. Take time to think about that as we go through this passage today. <clears throat> I really connect with Genesis 12, 1 to 9, because it's very close to what I've experienced in my own life. Abram had to make <coughs> some sacrifices. But God promised him some pretty incredible blessings as a result. And the author of Genesis wants us to understand from this passage today our big idea, and that's embracing the claims of God requires leaving some things behind. Maybe you haven't had to do that before. And we're going to talk about that today. But before we do, let's just pause for a word of prayer. Lord, we just humbly come before your throne today and ask for your Holy Spirit to just be poured out on this place that we might see and understand what you want us to understand from this passage today. Lord, there may be some of us that need to make some sacrifices. I pray today that we would follow through and be obedient to what you're calling us to. (laughs) Lord, I pray again for your strength, for my voice this morning. I pray for your words to be heard and not mine. And so we just lift this passage up to you now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at just the very first part of verse 1 in chapter 12. And this is the call. God's word says this, The Lord had said to Abram. Let's just look at that first. So when did the Lord call Abram? That's the question I had when I looked at this. If we follow what was just said in Genesis chapter 11, verses 27 to 32, it would seem like the Lord called Abram after uh, Tarak's death in Haran. And looking at the original Hebrew, the past perfect tense is used for had said. So that tells us and leads us to believe that it happened at an earlier time than right after Tarek's death. So when was that? The great thing, I thing I love most about the Bible is that it's its own commentary. It's, it's its best own commentary. I like that idea. And so Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin found in the book of Acts is extremely helpful here. Let me read it for you. Acts chapter 7, verses 2 to 4. This is what God's word says. To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia. That would be Ur. Before he lived in Karan. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Charan. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. And so we see from Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin that Abraham was still an Ur of the Chaldeans when the Lord called him. Abram would have been 50 years old when he received this call from the Lord. And we see in verse 4 that Abraham was 75 years old when he finally was able to leave the leave Quran and complete the calling on his life. And so the Lord commanded Abram to do two things as we're going to see in in the second half of verse 1 through verse 3. But he also gave Abraham a threefold promise with the commands. So let's look at those verses, Uh, starting at the second half of of verse 1. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So we see these uh, promises, but we see this uh, th- a threefold um, <clears throat> blessings as well. And so there's two commands that we see here in the second part of, of verse 1. He's to leave and he's to go. And so let's look at those. Abram was commanded to leave three specific things which encompassed who he was. And it was from the broad to the narrow or specific. The broad was his country. He was to leave his country, Ur of the Chaldeans, And this was no simple task. You know, when we think about this, we think about ancient times and we're thinking about, yeah, they were, you know, they weren't very advanced. You know, they didn't really have a lot of things going on. Uh, So it wouldn't have been that big of a deal for Abram to just leave his country and go to a different country. But I want you to Gangle and Bramer in their commentary tell us that that's not really the case. This was an advanced culture. Babylonian civilization at at a time when it was at one of its peaks of cultural and political splendor. Abraham Abraham came out of an area which for a long period of time, like four, five, or six hundred years, had a high level of civilization with writing, with fine cities, with highly developed arts, beautiful gems and carvings, and very well-established law codes and legal systems. All of these things were his, plus a highly developed religious system. Remember, we talked about them worshiping the moon god last week. So this helps us understand that Abram was making an incredible sacrifice in order to follow the Lord's command. This wasn't something simple that he was giving up. He was giving up everything that he knew. So that was the broad, and it gets a little more narrow when it says, God says to him, you need to leave your people. This was his kinsmen. These were the people that he grew up with, his friends, uh, you know, his extended family. For us, it would represent extended family, friends, and coworkers. He was leaving all of that. It was, that was secure for him. It was familiar. And many people were born, raised, and lived their entire lives in the same area. Now, that's not Judy and I. <laughs> but I know there's many that are, and if that's you, then you understand the significance of what the Lord was asking Abram to leave, to sacrifice. So if, if that's one of you, if you were born and raised here in South Central Pennsylvania, wherever you're listening online, and, and you've never really gone anywhere else, you understand what, what trying to is asked to give up. Like, this is, uh, this is familiar to you. This is security for you. This is where your family are at. And that's what God's asking Abram to give up, to be obedient to him. And finally, the most narrow, the most specific is he has to leave his father's household. This was his closest family unit, which included his parents, his siblings, and their families. And perhaps this would also be the most difficult separation of all. How many of us would be willing to leave the familiarity of our land, our friend base, and family to be obedient to God's calling. That's a challenge today, isn't it? That takes us back to our big idea that embracing the claims of God requires leaving some things behind. I like what Walton says. He, talking about Abram, must decide whether to abandon his land in favor of the land Yahweh offers. He must decide whether to abandon what family he still has in favor of the family Yahweh promises. And all that's happening against all logic since his wife Sarai Is infertile. He must decide whether to set aside his blessing, his inheritance, for the inheritance Yahweh describes. The initiative offers much, but its cost is significant. Abram must trust Yahweh to deliver what he has offered in order to give up so much that Abram already has to gain. Those are the decisions Abram's having to make. And we're going to see Abram's choice when we get to verse 4. But there's one principle, the first principle here that I want us to look at it. And as to become disciples, we must be willing to leave anything we're asked to leave. That's tough, isn't it? Uh, Judy and I, maybe not so much, (laughs) because we've done it for so many years. Each person or family may be asked to leave different things because we're all individuals. We're all different. We all value different things. A lot of times, those things that we value most are the things that God may ask us to sacrifice, to give up. Too often we become complacent where we are and ineffective as God's ambassadors of the gospel. And so the Lord may require us to leave our quote-unquote creature comforts in order to bring us to a place where we can be effective again for his glory, where he can use us for his glory. Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 to 39 tell us this. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm just reminded of a missionary who struggled with the reality that the place God was calling he and his family to serve was hostile towards Christians. They were going to be in a highly Islamic area, and there was real danger that his family could be persecuted and harmed, could be kidnapped And this father had to spend time alone with God in the woods, surrendering his children to the Lord. He had real anxiety about it. He had to be willing to sacrifice his own family in order to be a disciple of Jesus. And that missionary is serving the Lord today. And God is doing incredible things through them, through this family. It's amazing. But he had to spend time with the Lord. This was a real sacrifice. Mark chapter 10, verses 29 to 30 tell us this. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. And then there's the parentheses, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. It's like if you're willing to sacrifice those things now, God says, I'm gonna bless you. A hundredfold, not only here on earth, but you're going to have eternal life in heaven. And this was my parent, This is what my parents did 34 years ago when they left everything they knew in Pennsylvania and moved to Alabama to start church planning. Both of my parents were born and raised in south-central Pennsylvania, Green Castle and Chambersburg. And most of their siblings and their families live here. So most of my cousins and my aunts and uncles all live in this area. <clears throat> I don't get to see them very often, but... <laughs> But they live here. And so Judy and I have experienced the same thing, and I'm certain that we were willing to follow the Lord's leading because of the example of my parents. My sister as well has moved around a lot in her life, and I think it's because she's following the Lord's leading, and it was, it was modeled for her. I, just, I feel like that's an incredible legacy. Jim Elliott wrote this in his journal. They found it years later. He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain when he cannot lose. Powerful words from Jim Elliott. <clears throat> so what has God called you to? My guess is that you know. And you've either been obedient to that calling or you've been resistant. And I'm here to tell you that I've done both of those. <laughs> you've, already heard, you've already heard my story. <laughs> Have you been obedient to that calling, or are you still waiting? Abram waited 25 years. I waited 13 years. Too often, we might cry out to the Lord, as John Corson lays it out: "Lord, why aren't you directing me?" We cry. "I already did," he answers. 25 years ago, I told you what to do, and I won't give you more to do until you do what I've already told you. So, my guess is that you know what God's called you to. Have you been obedient to that? And the great thing is, is it's never too late. God didn't say, oh, that's it, Abraham, Spend 25 years, I'm done with you. He didn't say of me, Stuart, you've resisted me for 13 years, and I don't want anything to do with you anymore. No, he's constantly pursuing us, asking us to be obedient to that call. So two next steps I want to encourage you to take are on the back of your communication card today. The first one is this, is to be obedient to the call God has placed on my life and not wait any longer. Don't wait any longer. You know what it is, you know what God's called you to do, be obedient to that. Now, it still might take you time in, in order to, if it's if he's calling you to be a missionary, it's going to take you time to raise support, both prayer support, financial support, to get all of that in place. Maybe he's calling you to something else, and it won't take as long. Just be obedient to him today. The second next step is this, and that's to be willing to leave anything that God is asking me to leave in order to be obedient to his calling. That may be more difficult than being obedient to the call, is to having to sacrifice things, to give things up in order to be obedient to what God's calling you to do. So God's first command to Abram was to leave, and his second command was to go. It had been 25 years since God called Abraham or Abram to leave Ur, but he hadn't completed the journey yet because he'd gotten sidetracked in Haran. God had told Abram why he was in Ur to go to the land he would show him. Abram hadn't forgotten this command, Perhaps he was honoring his father by remaining in Koran until he died. You see, the patriarchal system in the ancient Near East was very strong. And so I, I don't know that, you know, a lot of times we want to look at Abram and go, oh, he didn't obey, da-da-da, he waited all this time. But perhaps it was simply because he was honoring his father. Maybe it wasn't a, a bad reason. Maybe he wasn't trying to resist God. Maybe it was just, he's like, I need to honor my father. My father wants to stay here in Quran. And then he's free to move on after his father passes away. We're not told if Abram's given any specifics about where to go while he was living in Ur. My guess is that the Lord told him to head west. The Lord had to give him some kind of direction so that he wouldn't be heading east, perhaps, even if he didn't give him the specific name of the region or the land where he was to go. Of course, that information we're going to see is shared in verse 5. The Lord was not asking Abram to give up anything he was not going to replace in the future. Walton says that. I, I think that's beautiful. And as we'll see in verses 2 to 3, <clears throat> God promises to take Abram to a new land, provide a family that will become a great nation, and provide care, protection, and inheritance for him. And so that's the threefold promise and blessing that we see here. The first one is this. It, it, it's a, a promise and then a blessing kind of a, a put together. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. So the promise is this, um, that he's going to make him into a, a great nation. Matthew says, a nation is generally characterized as a political unit with common land, language, and government. So, here, when, when God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation, he's going to give them land. He says, I have a land, a place for you. He was going to be able to call um, his country um, since he had asked to leave his country. That's what God's providing as land. But also, the promise includes replacing his people, Abram's offspring would become a great nation. And then the blessing with this first part is the Lord tells Abram that he will bless him. Now what would the blessing look like? What would encompass? Matthew tells us that it includes two things, descendants and material possessions. In a broad sense, Abram will be cared for and protected by the Lord. And since the Lord's already promised Abram numerous offspring, which is a great nation, it's probable, but the, probable that the blessing mentioned here is material wealth, now Matthew says this, wealth was measured by num- numerous and robust livestock, precious metals such as gold and silver, <clears throat> and human labor, slave and alien. So this holds true when we see what Abram takes with him when he leaves Koran, and that's coming up in verse 5. Kyle and Dillich include spiritual prosperity in this blessing also, and we're going to see that. Um, it's evident throughout the rest of the Abrahamic narrative in Genesis. So the Lord not only promises Abraham land and family, but he also, uh, also promises him a great name. That's the second fold here. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. He's not just going to be blessed, but he's going to be a blessing. The Lord was promising to elevate Abram to a position of honor and glory. He was also promising to show the nations the incredible character that Abram had. <clears throat> and as a result of Abram's character and faith, he would be a blessing to others. He would have great influence for many generations. So just think about that. If we think about that and how he's referenced throughout the rest of Scripture, when they're talking about God, both Old and New Testaments, repeatedly, continually, we hear the God of Abraham, the God of Abraham, the God of Abraham. This is where it all began. And then the blessing is this, that Abram would protect and care for those connected to him who were in good standing with him. God didn't bless Abram so he would hold on to that blessing for himself, God blessed Abram so he could be a blessing bearer that would bless others. There's one final part to the Lord's threefold promise and blessing. He said, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. So the promise is this. How individuals treated Abram would be how the Lord would treat them. If they blessed Abram, the Lord would bless them. If they cursed Abram, the Lord would curse them. And I wonder if this promise is not upheld by the Lord today, as it pertains to the nation of Israel. Those that are blessing the nation of Israel will be blessed. Those that are cursing the nation of Israel will be cursed. And then the blessing is this. Abram and his descendants would be a conduit through which the Lord would bless all the people of the earth. And we have experienced this blessing because Jesus came through the line of Abraham. And his followers of Jesus Christ, we have received a blessing from Abram in his faith. Walton, in his commentary, <clears throat> says that God revealed uh, is revealed through Abram's family. Think about the things that came as a result of Abram's family. The law. The law came as a result. The prophets came from his family. The scriptures were written by those that came from the line of Abraham. And, of course, Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. <laughs> So how has the Lord blessed you with family and material wealth? I want you to take a moment to think about the blessings the Lord has given you in those two areas, both family and possessions. When is the last time that you have thanked Him for those blessings? I want us to pause this morning. I just thought it was pretty powerful here to just cry out to the Lord. You're going to see a prayer prompt up on the screen this morning. And again, whether you do it in the quietness of your heart, that's fine. Whether you do it out loud one at a time, whether you just uh, complete it in the comments section on Facebook, however the Lord prompts you this morning. But here's the prayer prompt. Lord, thank you for blessing me with. so let me just start us off this morning. Lord, I just thank you for blessing me with an incredible family, three incredible sons, two daughter-in-laws, two grandchildren, and one on the way. Lord, I'm so grateful to you today. Thank you. Have have you used the Lord's blessing in your life to be a blessing to others? Who have you protected and cared for as a result of being blessed by the Lord? And when is the last time you protected or cared for someone? Maybe it's been a long time. And the second prayer prompt is just to kind of confess that before the Lord to respond to him and say, Father, please forgive me for not using your blessing to protect and care for. Who would that be? Maybe it's a group, maybe it's an individual that you have in mind, but let's just go to prayer for that this morning. Father, please forgive me for not using your blessing to protect and care for those who are just uh, less fortunate. Lord God, those who are struggling, uh, those who have lost jobs, um, those that have struggled through the, the coronavirus as well, So, Lord, I just confess that before you today. Christ is a result of Abraham's faithfulness. Have you thanked the Lord for that blessing? And so, take time this morning just to cry out to him and say, Savior, thank you for saving me from. And let me get us started again. Lord and Savior, I thank you for saving me from myself, from my pride, my selfishness, Lord God. I'm just so grateful to you that Um, as we talked about this morning already, that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Um, And I'm just grateful for that. Shared that blessing with others. The blessing of salvation with those around you. And maybe you just need to ask God for for his help today. And that's the final prayer prompt in this application section. God, help me to share the blessing of your salvation with. Maybe it's an individual again that you have in your mind right now. And so let's just turn to the Lord in prayer. God, would you just help me to share the blessing of your salvation with those that I come in contact with? Help me not to be fearful, but help me to to go in confidence. Even people I don't know, Lord God, that I just come in contact with at a gas station, at a restaurant, at a store. Lord, would you help me to be bold for you and to share the blessing of your salvation with those individuals? What did Abram's call and the covenant that the Lord promised him? But what was his response? This is verses 4 to 9. So look at those verses with me if you would. This is what God's word says. So Abram left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Quran. He took, he took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had uh, acquired in Quran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Beth-a-el and pitched his tent with Bethael in the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. So we see Abram's travelers and treasures, but first we see his obedience. He left as the Lord told him. Now you're going to see a map here. I showed you this one a little bit last week. It's blown up a little bit more this week, but Quran is up there in the north, uh, and Abram's heading down towards Canaan. That's the region or the land um, that you see down right off by the Mediterranean Sea. Modern-day Israel is where it is. So Abram obeyed when he, he did not know four things. Warren Wearsby points these out. Abram obeyed when he did not know where he was supposed to go. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read a couple of verses from there. But this is what it says in verse 8 in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abram, when called to go to a place... He would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham, or Abram obeyed when he did not know how this was going to take place. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. By faith, Abram, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand of the seashore. Abram obeyed when he didn't know when. Let me flip back here to Hebrews chapter 11. I don't want to read verses 13 to 16 to you. This is what God's word says. All these people were still living by faith when they died And this is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So Abram obeyed when he didn't know all those things. And he didn't know where he was supposed to go and how it was going to take place that he was going to uh, be this great nation and, and when it was going to take place because things kept changing. And, and then why? Why was this all happening? And that leads us to our second principle today, and it's the fact that we need to obey God even when we don't understand why he asks us, asks us what he does. Sometimes he asks us things that we don't understand. That doesn't make sense to me, God but we still need to be obedient. What incredible faith Abram had as he left Koran. G.A. Stuttered Kennedy says this, faith is not believing in spite of evidence, it is obeying in spite of consequence. Pretty powerful words. Let me read them again. Faith is not believing in spite of evidence, it is obeying in spite of consequence. So what step of faith do you need to take in order to be obedient to God's calling in your life? That's our third next step today. It's on the back of your communication card. It's to take the step of faith to be obedient to God's calling on my life in spite of the consequences. There were others who followed Abram in his step of faith. We see them here. His wife, Sarai. His nephew, Lot. If you're wondering why I'm pronouncing it that way, it's just the Hebrew. That's how it's pronounced in the Hebrew. And and probably Lot's family. The people... Uh, that he and, and Lot had acquired in Quran, such as slaves and aliens. All the possessions they had accumulated, this would probably had included livestock and precious metals, such as gold and silver. I mentioned that earlier. We're told that they arrived in Canaan, and that was the name of the land that God had promised to give Abram. And then, verses 6 to 9, we see his trek. We see that Abram is traveling throughout the land. He doesn't set um, up permanent dwellings at this point because the Canaanites were still living there. He does stop at two locations for a period of time. The first one is Canaan, or I'm sorry, Shechem in Canaan. So there's a a blown-up place, so that's kind of in the north. And he visits the great tree of Morah and Shechem, and it would have been a place where teachers would have taught their students. It was a familiar and recognizable place. It was probably just a huge tree out in the middle of nowhere. It may have also been used for idol worship. We see that throughout uh, the Old Testament a lot how they set up uh, you know ash repose on on the hills and they under different trees and stuff they would worship these idols <clears throat> and then he goes to the hills between Bethel or Beth el and I and so you see where that is here it's, the two cities are really close together and do you remember um, what the astronauts did when they landed on the moon one of the things they did is they placed an American flag right. They marked the moon. And so we see Abraham's loyalty here. He was leaving the mark of the Lord on the land promised to him. While staying at Shechem, he, visited by, he was visited by the Lord. And if you remember in verse 1 of chapter 12, it says the Lord spoke to Abraham while he was in Ur. Now he appears to him. I don't know what in form. We're not told. But here in Canaan, and he reaffirms his covenant with him concerning the land. Abram's offspring will, be, will live there. So Abram builds an altar at Shechem to remember his encounter with and covenant reminder from the Lord. And then while he's staying in the hills between Ael uh, uh, and Ai, Abram again builds an altar and calls on the name of the Lord there. You see what he's doing? He's showing his loyalty to God. And Abram is ex- expressing his loyalty and commitment to the Lord who has called him and made a covenant with him. And finally we see that Abram leaving the hill country and heading toward the Negev. Abraham arrived in the land that the Lord had promised him over 25 years ago, but he doesn't remain in the land. But that narrative is for next week. As we look at starting in verse 10 through 20 in chapter 12. Uh, So we review today. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you ready to be obedient to the call God has placed on your life? Number two, are you ready to leave anything that God calls you to leave in order to be obedient to him? And third, are you ready to take the step of faith to be obedient to God's call on your life? You know, as a body of believers, we can support one another through prayer, wisdom, and giving as individuals obediently follow God's calling for their lives. That's how we can support those. I trust that God is speaking to you today, that he's reminding you Maybe like he did with Abraham 25 years later. Hey, remember that covenant I made with you back in Ur? Um, it's time to move. Maybe God's calling you today, and he's saying to you, it's time to move. It's time to be obedient. As we close this morning, I just want to read this illustration from the movie uh, Pearl Harbor. The movie Pearl Harbor tells of the events leading up to and immediately following the Japanese attack on the U.S. on December seventh, 1941. The film follows the fictional lives of two fighter pilots, Raf and Danny, who have been inseparable, inseparable friends since childhood and are stationed at the same base in Hawaii. Following the attack on Pearl Harbor, Raff and Danny are called into Colonel Jimmy Doolittle's office. They have succeeded in downing seven Japanese planes. Doolittle stands behind his desk and addresses the cocky pilots somberly. You both have been awarded the Silver Star. "'You're just about the only pilots with combat experience. "'I need you for a mission I've been ordered to put together.' Raff and Danny look nervously pleased. "'Doolittle looks them over carefully. "'Do you know what top secret means?' he asks. Raf responds with a wry smile. "'Yes, sir, it's the kind of mission when you get medals, "'but they send them to your relatives.' Ignoring the remark, Doolittle continues, top secret means you train for something never done before in aviation history and you go without knowing where you're going. You do it on that basis or not at all. Honored to be asked, yet unsure of what they were committing to, both men agree to go. In many ways, God recruits us to follow him in the same way that Doolittle recruited these pilots for this mission. God trains us in ways unique to us to fulfill unique purposes and we know little or nothing about where we are going, we go on that basis, or we don't go at all. That's what Abraham did. He left, and he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know when it was going to take place. He didn't know why. All those things he didn't know. And maybe that's where you're at today. God might be calling you, and you're like, I know what he's calling me to do, but I don't know where that is. I don't know when it's going to happen, or why, or how but he's asking us to take that step of faith, and so I encourage you to do that today. And so as Gina Roxy come to lead us in the closing song, would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Abram was a faithful follower. Lord, he was coming out of a highly developed culture, a highly developed religious system, never having known you before, and yet he was obedient. I pray, Lord God, that we would be obedient. Lord, we know much more than he did from the beginning because of your word, and we're so grateful. I pray that you move by your Holy Spirit now in each heart, in each mind. Challenge us, Lord God, to be obedient to you. Reaffirm that covenant, that commitment, that calling that you've placed on our lives. We just ask this in Jesus' name, amen.